0: How's it going everybody? Welcome to episode 15 of the Chi-Town podcast and today I'm going to be talking about the Chicago Bears and their breaking news and a little bit of college basketball and football just to kind of fill the dead news um, that we've gotten this this winter and this probably gonna be a shorter episode unfortunately I'm recording in between two classes and I needed to get the content out for you guys. Thomas will hopefully be back if not Wednesday, for sure on Friday, uh, he's starting to feel a little better, which is which is large for the program. So let's get into it. Uh, first, first big news of the day is from the Chicago Bears as they finally hire their offensive coordinator and Shane Waldron from the Seattle Seahawks. And this is large as we finally have someone who can run the offense, not named Luke Getzey. Sorry, my hat's all over the place here. Give me one second. Good enough. All right, so Shane Waldron, new offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. And really, really, I think Thomas and I, he had we had him as our either 1A or 1B option, the other being Kubiak from the 49ers. And really, overall, I think this is going to help the Bears going forward. Um, For everyone arguing on Twitter, I'll have my thoughts on this in a minute, but it it doesn't 100% signal whether the Bears are going to keep Fields and trade the first overall pick, or if they're going to trade Fields and take Caleb Williams first overall, which leads me to my next segment. What does this mean going forward? And... We know that in his time in Seattle, he had he ran a lot of 12 personnel, which is one running back and two tight ends. So I could see the Bears trying to target another tight end either in free agency or if they get lucky, um, target Brock Bowers in the drafts with their ninth overall pick. Um, we'll see with that just because Waldron could switch his scheme. Based on what the Bears already have, top ten tight end already, top ten wide receiver. So he might switch to fit their needs instead of going out and you get essentially having to fill more holes just by his scheme alone. And with that, I mean obviously you're, you're having to allocate resources. If you take Brock Bowers to run a twelve personnel, you're missing out on the opportunity to draft a playmaking wide receiver like a Romo Dunze. Or, or a franchise tackle like Olu Fashanu. So it'll be interesting to see the route the Bears go with that. I'd be all o- I'd be all over it if they wanted to run run with the twelve personnel, take a quarterback at one, and then at nine, try and get Brock Bowers or try and even trade up for Brock Bowers. I'd 100% be all over that, and I think that'd be a smart move to go. I could also see them trading back from nine and trying to recoup a second round uh pick and then targeting an edge rusher like a Latu or a Jared Verse later in the draft. But we'll see how that works out and some possible roster implications here. You everyone knows the Seahawks wide receiver core was elite. I mean, you have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. The Bears don't have those three guys, right? You have DJ Moore, elite wide receiver. Darno Mooney, a free agent, kind of played his way out of Chicago, got schemed out of Chicago. It's unfortunate because Darno Mooney's just a really, like he's a football player. Like, I remember everyone was freaking out. He had his 1,000-yard season a couple years ago. And he's like, wide receiver one, wide receiver one. It didn't work out that way. It's unfortunate, but at the same time, you have to realize that that could have been a fluke year, right? With with Nagy throwing the ball a lot, trying to save his job. But I wouldn't mind bringing him back uh, on the right deal because Walter's offense is a, is a three wide receiver type offense. He... he you need a, a good wide receiver one, look at the Seahawks and DK Metcalf. You need a good wide receiver two. Again, look at the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett. And you need a good slot wide receiver. Again, look at the Seahawks, Jackson Smith and Jigba. So you, while I'm I'm four taking Brock Bowers at nine, also you, you're gonna need to fill a hole in the wide receiver spot. And Aroma Dunze is really helpful for that. And I'm looking up, like, Brock Bowers is a unicorn, right? But there are a lot of tight ends that are available. Like, uh, Dalton Schultz is a free agent. Hunter Henry is a free agent. Noah Fant is a free agent. Gerald Everett's a free agent. There are other tight ends for you to be able to run 12 personnel. Because let's be real, you're not running 12 personnel with, with Cole Komet and then Mercedes Lewis, right? This is just not going to work. I will say, though, I think it will be interesting to see who the primary tight end is because you don't want to have an Atlanta situation where you draft this freak offensive tight end and then you just have him block all the time. But at the same time, you just paid your guy, Cole Komet, homegrown. He's He's been here for a couple years now. Had, I think, the best year of his career offensively. Let's take a look. Best year of his career offensively, I think. Uh, one, two, yeah, most yards, uh, one less touchdown, and then just overall more most receptions. So, it, best year of his career offensively here, and I like you don't want to have him just be a blocker, right? Because he could be a huge part of your offense. You don't want to have him be the extra offensive lineman on the field every time because he provides a lot of offensive value and he's only 24 years old. Now, of course, when you look at what Brock Bowers did at Georgia, then you're like, well, it's okay. If commit just stays there, average 12.8 yards, Per uh reception, 56 receptions for 714 yards and six touchdowns. 2022, 63 receptions, 942 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, this is just a stud. But Brock Bowers is is going to be the, his comp is Travis Kelsey. 6'4, 240 pounds. That I mean, that's 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 what it is. His comp is is Travis Kelsey. Um it's just it would be tough to try and force the ball to commit just because you extended him if you if you did end up drafting Brock Bowers because that's that's a freak of nature and like i said it's it's like Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts was a unicorn and now the 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 Falcons just use him completely wrong which i mean Arthur Smith was terrible last year because he he has a generational tight end and a generational running back just used completely wrong. The Bears don't have a generational running back. They have the option to get a generational tight end. Possibly. All of this is based on if he's there at nine or if Poles trades up to like six. But if you're trading up to six, I'd almost feel like you want to try and trade up to four around there if you don't have to give up a first round pick next year and and draft Marvin Harrison jr. I mean, look, look what the Texans did last year. They took Stroud at two traded up to three, took Will Anderson, boom, 10 win season. They ended up winning a playoff game. I feel like you could have that same type of, of jump for the bears. If, if you moved up a little bit, or got lucky and someone fell in your lap, because if we're if we're looking at the draft class right now, this is on Tankathon, their mock draft. That's the NBA, for the NFL. Caleb's going to be one. Then you have Drake May, and then you have a run of guys that can go anywhere in here. So it can be it, you have Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors. That's three, four, five. Then Roma Dunze at six. Joel at seven, Dallas Turner at eight, and then Olufoshano is mocked to the Bears at nine. And they have Brock Bowers dropping all the way to 15. I don't don't see that. If I had to guess, Dallas Turner drops a little bit. I really don't see Jaden Daniels going in the top three, but you never know because there's the Bears, Commanders, Patriots, Giants, Titans. I mean, that's five teams that need a quarterback there. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because you could get lucky in this mock on Tankathon. They have Brock Bowers at fifteen. I think if he drops to them, that's the pick for the Bears. As much as I like Olufashanu, I feel like there's better ways to build the roster because Braxton Jones is still a very solid tackle, and he's not a massive liability like some Bears fans make him out to be. But I think my top target. Top two targets are Roma Dunze at one. Roma Dunze. Sorry, a Dunsey. A Dunze. Uh, and then not, not first overall. I'm saying Roma Dunze. Uh, Roma Dunze is my first option at pick nine. And then Brock Bowers is probably my second option at pick nine. Obviously, I'm Team Caleb Williams. Ride the hype train. He's my pick. That's all I have to say about that. Moving on. How good with seattle's offense like how can we compare to the the current bears off or i guess the past bears offense and looking at the eye candy stats not that good but again eye candy stats 17th in the league in points per game with 21.4 their rush yards were 92.9 at 28th in the league and their passing yards were 245.1 at 16th in the league i compare that to the bears the bears points per game 21.2 18th rush yards this is where the bears excelled 141.1 rush yards second in the league and then pass yards 201.2 yards at 27th so you're going to sacrifice your rushing yards for your passing yards and i feel like That's that's going to be your recipe for success here, which is also why I'm not I don't really want to take a defensive player with that second first round pick. Those are the eye candy stats. They don't look great. Whatever. Let's let's dig a little bit deeper here. Seahawks 2023 offense on first and second down, you have to remember the Seahawks offensive line was putrid. You thought if you thought the Bears offensive line was terrible then th- this is like a peewee team and he was able to really mask uh, the problems here for the Seahawks as they had a 0.071 EPA per play on this on first and second down, which ranked fourth in the league. They had a 46% success rate, which ranked fifth in the league. They had a 0.191 EPA per drop drop back, which ranked second in the league and then a 51.6% drop back success rate, which ranked fifth in the league. Which, on first and second down, that was a big issue for the Bears, right? The, they were constantly getting behind the stakes because of taking sacks or a run going nowhere, and then you're at second and 10. So it's something to, to keep an eye out. Now, now you got to take the good with the bad, right? Because in 2023, the, their offense on third down, negative 0.105 EPA per play, 21st, 39.7% success rate, 27th, negative 1.31 EPA per drop back, 23rd in the league, and then the 37.4% drop back success rate, which was twenty six in the league. I mean, obviously, third down, third and long, you're going to be willing to take a sack to try and extend the play. But you also have to realize much smaller sample size, compared to the other two um, downs. So we'll see. I've seen some tweets that are interesting. Seahawks fans are happy he's gone. I think this was a home run higher for the Bears than they needed to do this. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Depends who the quarterback is. But I do want to say this. I didn't mention this in in the, what does this mean going forward? With Pete Carroll gone, it was obvious that a lot of the the secondary coaches on that roster, on that team, on the Seahawks, were going to leave. Shane Waldron is, if not the top, a top three offensive coordinator on the on the market, available for teams. I find it very difficult to believe that he's going to bet on a fourth year quarterback who has struggled to throw the ball his first two and a half, three, three years in the league when he's trying to take that next step and get a head coach job. If there, I remember we said this about Getzey. Everyone was scared. He was going to leave for a head coach, a head coaching job because we hired Matt Eberflus. If there was someone who I would be, I mean, I wouldn't be scared because that means offense is doing well, Shane Waldron would be someone I could see definitely leaving for a head coach. Think of, think, look at the lions, right? They had, they bring in Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson lights it up for them for two years. They're in the NFC championship game. Now he's leaving this year. I, I I, now I'm not saying the bears are going to be in the NFC championship game. I'm saying that type of trajectory is where I see the, the Bears in the next three years, especially, well, not especially. This is this is granted they take Caleb Williams at one. I, I could see that type of, of timeline for the Bears. And then everyone's so scared of the OC leaving. But if the OC leaves, that means the offense was humming. And at that point, your your offense is good enough. And it most likely it's because of your quarterback. Which that's never happened for the bears. The bears offense has been good because of their secondary pieces, like their wide receiver or their running back, or they had a really good offensive line. They've never had a team that was elite offensively solely because of their quarterback. Look at what Mahomes is dealing is dealing with outside of Travis Kelsey, right? Look at, look at um, CJ Stroud outside of really Nico Collins. Tank Dell has been hurt. He was good, but, The quarterback should elevate the team. The rest of the team should not be there to carry the quarterback is what I'm trying to say, and which is I think polls understands this, which is 100% why I think Caleb will be the pick at one. April can't get here soon enough. Now, because of the snow news week outside of the offensive coordinator hire, I've decided we're going to talk about college basketball and college football. Specifically, our two schools, um, I, I will say, I apologize. I don't know as much about Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball as I do about Arizona fo- football and Arizona basketball. Um, So I apologize. We'll see how this goes. This could go terribly. This is mostly going to be an Arizona-heavy segment with Kentucky sprinkled in here, but I'll give some final four predictions and I'll talk about the top 25 for basketball. Football is definitely going to be Arizona heavy and Kentucky heavy um, because there is no football, right? College basketball is current in season. So let's get to it. Our two schools. Obviously I go to the university of Arizona. Thomas goes to the university of Kentucky. We're both wildcats. Just, different schools. And what can we expect from both teams moving forward? I think Kentucky will run away with the sec. This is a top five team in the country. I think, uh, looking at the AP poll, Kentucky slots in at six, I, I have them better than Purdue, uh, Houston and Tennessee. Tennessee is going to be their one tough game in the sec. um, let me find the standings here. Oh, here we go. And, of course, I forgot. Auburn, another good team. SEC has three top 10 teams. I think it's probably going to go to Kentucky. I could see Auburn. Auburn's a really good squad. The problem with Kentucky is their defense is atrocious. Um, looking at Ken Palm rankings. Let's see. Kentucky is currently sixth in the country, but at Ken Palm, they are 16th. Their offense is elite at 123, which is the fourth best offense. Their defense is terrible at 102, which is the 73rd best defense. Compare that to Arizona. Who's currently eighth in the uh, AP Top Twenty Five poll, but number three in Ken Palm rankings. They had the seventh best seventh best offense with one twenty one point six adjusted offense, and the fifth best defense with ninety three point seven adjusted defense. It, it'll be interesting. I I could see Tennessee giving Kentucky problems here. Because they uh, Tennessee, their offense isn't as good as Kentucky's, obviously. They, they are the 19th-ranked offense, but their defense is second. I could also see Alabama would be a track game for Kentucky. Alabama has the best offense. I, whenever that game happens, bet the over for sure. And I, I think Kentucky will win the SEC. but they do have some bumps along the road versus Arizona. The Pac-12 this year in basketball is absolutely horrendous. It's, a, it's, it's embarrassingly bad. What's even worse is Arizona currently has two Pac-12 losses to Stanford and Washington State. Um, Washington State is the 57th ranked team in Ken Palm. Stanford is the 90th ranked team in Ken Palm, which, I mean, it's tough, but there's the, three, three of their four losses have been quad ones, Arizona. So they lost to Purdue on a neutral court. They lost to Florida Atlantic on a neutral court. Both of those teams shot the lights out of the gym. And then their, their worst loss is Washington state, which ended up being a quad one loss because they're top 50 in Ken Palm. Or what is the criteria? Uh, I'm sorry. Top 75 in Kempom. Which, that was their worst loss. And then Stanford, again, just shot the lights out of the gym. Um, They did just have to come back against UCLA. They were down 19 over the weekend. I'm not worried about them. They have five quad one wins. They beat Duke. They beat Michigan State. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Alabama. Beat Utah, who's kind of been on a downward trajectory. Two big games for Arizona here uh, on the road at Oregon State and then at Oregon. We'll see how those shake out. Um, They have only three quad one games left. That's how bad the the Pac-12 is. That could change by the end of the year. Now, looking at Kentucky's quad wins, they, they've only played four quad one games, two quad one losses to Kansas and Texas a and then two quad one wins, and then one quad three loss to North. This was, I forget what this, these, uh, this I know was a bad loss. University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Kentucky plays. I mean, they have a lot of quad one games coming up. They're away at South Carolina. Then they get Tennessee at home in a couple weeks. Uh, again, they play Gonzaga at home. Then they play Auburn on the road, Alabama at home, Mississippi State away, Tennessee away. I, the rest of the games on their schedule are winnable. I could see them losing three more, Arizona. I could, I see Arizona probably losing two more of these. I see them losing at Oregon this weekend. And then probably USC on the road. I'll, I'll say three because who knows what happens when they play Arizona State. Well, I mean, both our schools are elite basketball programs. Obviously, Kentucky's ranked sixth. Arizona's ranked ninth. Apologies, Arizona's ranked ninth. Both schools have been in the top five at some point this year. Arizona was one. Um, I don't think either of them make the final four, though. My final four predictions. First first final four predictions of the year. I have UConn, Kansas, Illinois, now that they got Terrence Shannon Jr. back. And I have Houston just because defense is so huge in the tournament and Houston has the best defense by far. It's it's like almost 6 points better than the second place Tennessee. So that's my outlook for basketball. Now talking a little bit of college football. I'll start with Kentucky. Kentucky football solid season last year, choked in the their bowl game against Clemson, ended up losing that 38 to 35. Probably should have won. Their best win, I'd say, beating Louisville. Uh, in that rivalry game. The problem is Kentucky's in the SEC, right? This, this is uh, it, it is going to be tough. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry about that. It's going to be tough for them to be a true elite program in that conference. But they did take a step forward with that as they got Brock Vandegrift, backup quarterback from Georgia, who stuck behind Carson Beck. This is a huge get for them. Uh, They added another wide receiver, uh, Jamari Macklin. Another big get as he had over a thousand yards last year. We'll see how this shakes out for him. I, I have him pegged for eight wins. That's my guess. Uh is this Kentucky football schedule out yet? Okay, so Kentucky's football schedule southern mississippi win south carolina i'd say that's a win georgia is a loss ohio's a win ole miss is a loss vanderbilt toss up i'll give him a win florida's a win i'm gonna say they lose to auburn lose to tennessee or i'm sorry lose to, beat auburn lose to tennessee They beat Murray State, lose to Texas, they beat Louisville. So that's eight wins. That's where I have them. Um, We'll see how that shakes out for him, though. Now, let's talk some Arizona Wildcats, because what a week for Arizona football. First, last Sunday, well, I guess two Sundays ago now, Arizona loses their head coach, Jed Fish, after he tells his players, Don't go to Ohio State for millions of dollars. We're building a program here. And then he in turn leaves a week later for money. What a clown. Tucson now hates Jetfish. Arizona scrambles and hires Brent Brennan as their new head coach. It is fully expected Arizona is about to lose 50% of their roster to either Washington or to transfer somewhere else. Fast forward to... This past Saturday, Arizona retains almost all of their roster, including Noah Fafita and Teteroa McMillan, which no one expected. They announced this at the basketball game at UCLA Stadium. Went absolutely crazy, one of the loudest buildings I've ever been in. And yes, they Arizona loses their top running back Jonah Coleman to Washington, and I think their top two of their top five. 2024 recruits to Washington. It could have been much worse. A lot of the team has come out of the portal and back to Arizona. These two players driving the way. Noah Felipe is a Heisman candidate. Tetero McMillan's a top two uh, wide receiver in the country. Now that Marvin Harrison Jr. and all of these guys are out, Arizona's schedule is really interesting because it's not out yet. Like, we know who they're going to play, but we don't know when they're going to play them because they went to the Big 12, right? Pac-12's gone. So we know who... The only three games we know is they play New Mexico, Northern Arizona, and Kansas State the first three games of the year. Funnily enough, Kansas State is not going to be a conference game, I don't think because the, the Arizona and Kansas State scheduled that already um so I think that's going to be a non-con game even though both schools are in the Big 12 so just looking at their schedule they play New Mexico I think that's going to be a win Northern Arizona that's going to be a win on the road against Kansas State I'll I'll say that's a loss I my I'm trying not to be biased here I'll say that's a loss Arizona State at home, win. Colorado at home, win. Uh, Texas Tech at home, win. Houston at home, win. West Virginia at home, win. So we're at seven. At BYU, I'll say win. At TCU, I'll say they lose that one. And then at UCF, I'll say win. And then at Utah, I'm going to say loss now, but talk to me when football season starts to see how well Cam Rising is coming off an injury. So that puts them at another nine-win season. That's my prediction. Um, it's so big that they got those guys back. Arizona football was looking staring a two-win season dead in the face, and then they turned it around. Cause they're returning a lot of their starters. We'll see. There's still a couple guys in the portal that are on the fence. They're not sure they're coming back following Jed fish to Washington or going elsewhere, but Noah Fafita and Tetsuro McMillan will have a statue in Tucson. They turned down Ohio state. They turned down Alabama and they turned down Washington and stayed in the old Pueblo legends. That's all for today. Um, let me know for right now and let and let Thomas know or on our social medias they'll be in the description below um if you like the college sports part I know during the tournament we'll probably do a little bit of college sports college basketball um with two nationally known programs so let us know if this was a a good segment apologies again for the short episode it's just me and then I also have class. Um, yeah. And there's no news. Hopefully, hopefully by Wednesday, Tom will be ready. We'll probably talk bulls. And then hopefully by Friday, by the time we talk cubs, Cody Bellinger's a Cub. So yeah, have a good one. Thanks for listening.